What do you want to talk about? Italy. Italy. So if you, you might have noticed that we didn't include Italy in our um, top tier um, level of teams that should be winning the Euros. And that's because, once again, this year, this Italy team is a team that's full of questions. Um, there's a, a huge amount of turnover from the last time we saw an Italian team in a tournament. I'm not sure if they made it to Euro 2016. <laughs> they got knocked out of the group stages in Euro in, in World Cup 2014. Uh, I mean, they got to the final in 2012, Euro 2012, but then, I mean, they got smacked, right? So we haven't really seen an impressive Italian team since about 2006-ish, yeah, which is when they last won the World Cup. Um, the thing is, though, with Italy, there's a, there's a lot of, like, cultural stereotypes that come with football, right? Um, it, it, it makes it easier to kind of define someone or kind of assign someone a certain amount of traits just, just by what country they play for. Um, and Italy has always been known to be, like, this super defensive, um, super tactical games. Super emotional. Shout out to Buffon. Belting yeah. the national anthem every game. Crying his eyes out. I love it. Show the emotion. <laughs> Insult your mother mid-game. Because when we about talk about Italians, we talk about passion. We talk about fieriness. We talk about emotion, right? But the way the Italians actually approach the game itself is like the complete opposite. They're super calm. They're super cool-headed. They'll do anything they can to rile you, your team up. But you almost never see Italy get riled up. They're very, very smart. They will explode. They get the headbutted. They don't headbutt. They they get headbutted. They don't headbutt. Guess what? That headbutt got them a World Cup. You see the means to the end, right? <clears throat> they they don't give a fuck. They will figure it out, and especially with that defensive, um, preventative style where they. Like, that's their normal uh, national style. That's the stereotype of their national style where they let the other team have the majority of the ball and they and they just defend. Like, they used to even have, like, a lot of these big teams that we're talking about have had big um, tactical and stylistic innovations and influences on the game as history has passed. So I want to say between, like, the 60s and the 80s, Italy had this super – defensive, re- revolutionary defensive style called Catenaccio, which is called the doorbell. And basically, I mean, it, it is how it's how it how it sounds. It's, it's intended to lock the other team out of the goal and out of the Italian box, right? So with all that being said, we know that throughout the history of the Italian national team, the Azzurri, the majority of their notable players have been defenders, whether they're fullbacks or central defenders. The majority of their, their notable players are defenders. They're also, they also have a really good line of number 10s. Like Italy used to have this untouchable lineage of number 10s um, that died out a couple years ago. And they tend to have really good strikers. Um, for some reason, though, this tournament, this Italian team looks completely different. You know how I said the Netherlands was playing the, used to their stereotype is this total football style, and then this tournament they're playing this ultra defensive style. Well, imagine they basically just swapped with Italy. So now Italy is now playing this super, not aggressive but very expansive, attacking footballing style where 
they have the majority of the possession. They're the ones shoving the ball down your throat. They're now strong in areas where they've never really been the strongest before. Now, when you look at the Italian lineup, I mean, their their lineup of wingers that they even have on this team, they're they're none of these guys are like super considered super world beaters or anything like that, right? But Insigne might be, but I think this Italian team is in a transition phase, in a transition phase in terms of generations and in terms of play style, like you're talking about. Um, just a bunch of kids that just they don't. They don't have that old school sit deep and like absorb the pressure it, all the time. Like, yeah, they're they're the kind of guys that play the game at their pace now. Like, they 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 want to dictate the game. Um, that being said, uh, that's like my one criticism with the team is I feel like it's it's like a transition. I think this maybe this Italian team could be like disgusting in like the next a few years, uh, next like big tournament or something, you know. But uh, to me, and part of it is like my own ignorance because I don't pay attention to Serie A that much, so I don't know a lot of these young kids. But like, I don't know, bro. It's like it's just, it's a lot of new pieces all at once to me, in my opinion. And then and then you got like stylistically the polar opposite with like the dinosaurs back there. Yeah, who, they're who are still dinosaurs, but okay. like they're like thirty eight each. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> so I don't know. I just I'm curious. I don't know how it blends all together well. Like, I don't know. We'll see. But to address that, I'll say this: um, even though the Italians are playing a completely different style to how they normally have played, I'll say that the Italians are really, really intelligent. Like we know, the Italian league is about tactics. It's about the best players in the Italian league are the most skilled and the smartest tactically. We know this. Each league has its own uh, style of play that is considered very prominent. And for me, I think the fact that most of these Italian players, I think this is the first time in a long time that over 95% of the Italian um, team is now coming from the Italian league. I think the last time that happened, um, they won the World Cup in 2006. Um, but there's a couple of factors that, that give me hope in Italy. One, again, they're really intelligent. They're really, really smart, really good at adapting um, tactically to whoever it is they're playing. And I'm talking before the game even starts. They've already figured out who they're going to exploit. They've already figured out what patterns they're going to use. They've already figured out. I mean, the the way they played against – who was it that they played um, against Turkey? The way yeah. they split Turkey apart, like the, the, like the mechanics they use. Like it's um, Thanksgiving dinner. Oh my God! <laughs> the, the movement of their midfielders, movement of their winger on one side and their fullback in the other, it, it looked really good. Another thing I'll say is I think Roberto Mancini is very underrated. I think I, for some reason, I just don't feel as though Roberto Mancini's ever really gotten like a true shot. And I know that's probably bullshit because I'm pretty sure he was at Inter Milan for a really long time um, before Conte came and won the league. But I, I always felt like his, his exit at Manchester City was a little too fast. And I always used to be confused as to why these guys, why Italy never, ever seemed to call him up for the national team. Um, I think he's very adaptive. He's, he's a very, very deep thinker. I think nine times out of ten, Roberto Mancini is going to go, is going to enter a game with his tactics figured out by like 95%. Like he's... He's going to be one of those coaches that almost never has to make a tactical adjustment. And when he does, 
it, it's a type that changes an entire game. Like he'll, he might switch out two guys, two guys like who you might not even notice. Be like, oh, okay, well, it's a like for like swap, and on the game might change completely. And then the third and final reason I have faith in Italy, um, a little more faith in Italy this time than the past few tournaments is because no one expects anything from them. And when no one expects anything out of the Italians, they do fucking excellent. 2006 World Cup, their last two World Cup wins, 2006, and I can't remember the previous World Cup win, but they had, they had basically, their league was on fire due to match-fixing scandals. Like, literally, their two consecutive World Cup wins. No one expected them to win anything because everybody was up in, in a legal battle and, and the whole the country was in shambles. I'm not saying that the same thing is going to happen for Italy this time. Like, there's not, there's no scandal. There's no match fixing. There's no, um, there's no boogeyman for Italy to go ahead and fight against. But I think it's the fact that no one expects anything out of them. And the fact that no one knows what's going to happen. I, I think that works in Italy's favor. And I think they surprise a lot of guys. Um, these tournaments yeah. for real. Yeah. Well, you, you might think that, uh, Italians are the most technical footballers, but I think Spanish footballers are the yes. most technical footballers. Oh, boy. And that's also why I have no faith in the Spanish team because it's not the same <laughs> Spain team that I'm accustomed to. For me, for me growing up as a kid, I idolized the Brazilians and I idolized the Spaniards. Yep. Shout out to the guy on the wall. Shout yep. out to the Shout guy on the wall back in Pullman. Shout out to the guy on the wall right here. You can't see that one, but that's Kaká. Uh, you know, whoa. like, those guys are my heroes. Ronaldinho is my favorite player of all time. Yeah. The Spanish, to me, like, to me, 2010 Spain. Man. Greatest team I've ever seen. Talk about it. 2008, 2010 Barca. Greatest club team I've ever seen. I ever will uh, see. I refuse to believe any team will ever be better than that. Facts. You know, and, and when I look at this Spanish team, I'm so underwhelmed. Oh, from like top to bottom, I'm just like, oh. wow. Did you, did you see? Did you see Spain versus Sweden today? Bro, no, I was, out, I was at the. It. I was with the boss man. Oh, true, 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 true. This, this man was doing his thing, you know, you know, working, working, and thing. Oh, but look, working man, bro. From okay, how do I say this? How do I say this? How do I say this? How do I even start this, bro? I have a lot. I really want to get out about Spain, and I'm going to do it as fast as I possibly can. What the fuck? That's it. Yeah. What the fuck? Well, here, here's the thing. Is like, I, haven't, I didn't even watch the game, and I know what happened. <laughs> like, like, I know You're that they have a lack. You're not have having a lack. watched that yes. drivel. It was Bro, bad. They have a lack of... Of a of a elite like killer striker or any kind of attacking force up top, this mm-hmm. has always been Spain's problem. Mm-hmm. One time they had an answer for it, I guess two times was Fernando Torres in two thousand eight. Speaking of Euros, that's when he mm-hmm. hit the the game winner for the Euros. Yes. Um, and, and then David Villa I, in mm-hmm. recent history. You could go Anytime. back to like the Butragueña and all that. Raúl Garcia. Yeah. Yes, we know, we know, but. <laughs> But David Villa single-handedly changed that Spain because that Spain team was disgusting, and then they had David Villa on top of it. Yeah, like, they didn't need David Villa. They'd play Fabregas at striker because they just had so many midfielders. They'd be like, you know what, Fabregas, go play striker. Like we don't even need a striker. 
but the thing is you can't get away without having that killer striker if your midfield is not at that same level and it's just not like it's just pedri pedri excites me more than most of the people in the spanish i in the midfield in terms of like a creative midfielder can makes a chance out of nothing kind of guy in terms of that aspect you knew this was going to be a problem when you saw Luis Enrique left three of the preliminary roster spots empty when he called up his team. First things first, off the bat, you know it's not going to be a good time. They didn't call up Sergio Ramos, which is crazy to me. Even if he's injured, that the, the amount of intangibles that that guy probably brings to that locker room the unity, the loyalty, the leadership, the experience that he brings to the locker room. You know he's, you know he steps foot in the locker room and everybody stops what they're doing. It's just quite like, probably just up. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Like Sergio, that, Sergio's talking. Leadership. Everyone shut This up. is this is the same guy who, at the age of 35, still completely determines Real Madrid's form. Still, as a center back, and. He got, he's had, what, uh, 20 red cards for Spain throughout his career? He's had the most red cards for, I mean, <laughs> most red cards for Real Madrid throughout his Man, career than any other defender in La Liga history. This guy has had zero red cards for Spain. He is exemplary every single time he steps on the pitch for Spain. Yes, 2014 was a terrible year, and they, and they got hung out to dry, but that entire Spanish team was just being hung out to dry. They didn't choose... Any, I I just don't recognize a lot of the guys on this team, and I don't, none of these guys really give me any confidence in this team. You know, you you starting strikers. I would, I would say, I would say you know, pretty much everyone on this team. It's just, but the second part is very true. They just, it's like whatever. It's like I don't, because I'm looking through it, and it's like guys we've talked about on this podcast, like yeah, Marcos Llorente. You talked about Fabian. Did, wasn't he like a guy you were interested in, maybe? And um, talking about Rodri a lot. Obviously, I mean, Tiago, Liverpool players, Sergio Busquets, a classic. Like, Bobby but it's Luis. just like, eh, it's just meh. You know? It's <laughs> weird. It's meh. Like, and you know what's wild is the from that 2010 team, right? The part of that team in 2010 that stood out was their midfield. That was their strongest area of their team, and we don't even know how deep that team was because it was the same three guys playing in that midfield the whole time. Right? So maybe Chavi Alonso next to um, Busquets. I apologize to Chavi Alonso, but basically had the same few guys in the midfield the whole time. This Spain team, once again, their strength is in the midfield, and I'm so underwhelmed still. It's so weird to say because I love Thiago. Like, I, I've, I've seen him play for us for a year now. I see the quality he brings. The quality that he's brought to Bayern Munich since 2013, where he won two trebles, where he won a treble at Barcelona the year before. You know what I'm saying? Like, Thiago's clearly a very problem. High the problem guy. is, like, you don't have – Thiago's not that takeover game guy. Yes, not, exactly. Thiago, his team doesn't have their ENES you know? They don't they have don't an ENES to, to go with Thiago's Xavi, if that makes sense. Right. Um, even if you play Koke as the defensive midfielder, which – Look, man, I understand Koke is a multifaceted, super reliable player, but 
it's not even that I need excitement out of my players. I just need, I need like clear qualities out of my players when I see them on the pitch. And like Koke, again, he's always been known for his versatility, but I've never seen him and been like, damn, I want him or damn, I'm going to play with him on FIFA. I know that's, yeah, I know that's right. Like, right. <laughs> I just make fun of him. I, I know that's a, <laughs> that's a, such a trivial way to put it too. Cause obviously, you know, FIFA, whatever, but I, I have to describe it that way, bro. Koke brings no excitement out of me. Marcos Llorente, a really, he, he would be, he would be used really well as like a, an attacking eight, but I don't think he was playing that role that much this game. That's what I'm thinking too, is like, obviously Marcos Llorente is so much more than mm-hmm. like what I'm about to say, but like, to me, he pretty much has to be like a D mid on this team. Like, and then I like, I look at, cause I mean, in terms of like wide people, like Sarabia, um, Oyarzabal, he's pretty good. He should be playing. Adamo will probably get minutes. Oh, yeah. Ferran Torres needs to play every single game for Spain. I yeah, I don't know why he's not happens. playing. I think he did play, right? I want I want Torres playing on the other side of Pedri or Adama Traore. Bro, but I look at this midfield, though, real quick. I feel like there's so many, like, defensive Yes, it's all the same type of player. It's, like, too much. You need. I can swap out. Tiago for Fabian Ruiz for almost for damn near for Rodri, almost mm-hmm. damn near for Koke, damn near for Marcos Llorente. I mean, those are all guys, those are all central midfielders who, yes, I kind of just went from back to front right there, but they still all kind of occupy the same role. Rodri might be the most clearly defined mm-hmm. out of that group right there. And when you have a bunch of like the same profile midfielders what do you get you get that like snooze fest stale kind mm-hmm. of like build up that you seem to or what you were mentioning i guess from what that you saw was, in the game and i don't know i'm speaking from you for you so you should say but like okay that's what it sounded like to me like it sounded like it was just stale boring nothing really appealing about how they were their way of playing or anything like that the way i felt about it is the same way i felt about um watching city in the in the Champions League final this season, where they just had too many of the same type midfielder, and once the t- once the opposing team figured out how to stop one midfielder, you you stop the rest of them because you just do the same thing, and that's kind of how it looked. Okay, so Spain had the majority of the ball. Okay, another disclaimer before the disclaimer: Sweden are a bad team. Period. <laughs> Point blank. Period. Bunch of you old suck. ass dudes. Come save Arsenal. <laughs> mistake prone super slow not just slow physically slow decision making they don't cover for each other they don't really seem as though they believe in themselves would you expect sweden to go to the, the quarterfinals or something no <laughs> no, no, no 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 but 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 understand don't even how, on. listen listen to me just listen to me denigrate sweden so you can understand what i'm about to do to spain okay this sweden side was really bad all their guys were like over the age of 30 aside from Alexander Isaac, who was coincidentally their best-looking player on the field, but he only got the ball maybe three or four times. Every time he got the ball, he threatened the fuck out of, out of Spain. That he, 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 got in the, he was walking through their box pretty well, right? Shout-out to Alexander Isaac. Um, Shout-out to you for, for going to, was it Real Sociedad and getting your career on track. Um, hopefully, demeanor-wise, he's obviously the complete opposite of Zlatan, but in terms of technique, technicality, and um, his ability to create a shot, I can see the comparisons with Zlatan. 
Um, you know, obviously, just probably just because he's tall, Swedish with a long nose, people are like, oh, he's kind of like Zlatan. I don't know if I necessarily see that. But, um, yeah, this Sweden team was just – I mean, bro, when you when you watch them on the, on, the, on the pitch, whenever Spain had the ball, and Spain usually had the ball, Sweden were right in front of their own box, four banks – two banks of four, and Isaac and whoever else the other trash-ass striker was floating around up top. So when I tell you that Sweden looked better than Spain, what the fuck does that say, bro? Damn, like that? What does that say, bro? Sweet Spain looked like trash. Every time they got the ball, I was not nervous for Sweden at all. At all. They they were playing perfectly into Sweden, into Sweden's hands, right? We understand as much as we like to as much as we discredit stereotypes, right? As fucked up as stereotypes are and as much as they put us in a box, some they exist for a reason, right? Spain, very, very short team. Even with the tall guys that they have now, still a very short team in general. Sweden, team full of giants. If, bro, Nick, you're six, what, 6'2? Six 6'4. Six if you're 6'4, you're if you, sorry, my bad. Let me, let me, <laughs> bro, my bad, my bad. <laughs> if you're 6'4 and you go to Sweden, you'll probably be normal height or a bit tall. A bit taller than everybody else. You ain't gonna be no fun, giant. Fun fact. Here. Fun fact. I'm a I'm a quarter German, quarter Swedish. So. Oh shit! That's what I Okay, so Mr. Sweden. So now you see, like, Spain played perfectly in a Sweden's game plan. Sweden again, two banks of four, packed into the box, clog the middle, force them out wide. Force them to cross inside or force them to try and work their way through a field of eight tall ass dudes just looking to stop the ball and hoof it up the field, right? Spain played perfectly into Sweden's hands. I never felt Spain were threatening aside from a couple very, very opportune chances. Uh, the one that I remember the most, man, Alvaro Morata. What a career this guy has had. Just <laughs> mediocrity choking mediocrity choking this man this man is the jay cutler of oh my god soccer, he's like the andy dalton uh, no give it somebody worse bro somebody worse dog this guy's like the he's played at like the job. highest stage bro this guy's like, oh my god who's bro. bounced around hello no, not only who's bounced around, but who's bounced around and lucked their way into really good teams. See, not it doesn't normally work that way in American sports, right? If you're trash on one team, you're not going to bounce around to a bunch of other teams on the same caliber, right? Um, I think the only two players I can think of that have done that in European football anyways are Kingsley Coman and Alvaro Morata. Notice every team that Kingsley Coman played for, however, he won the league. Yeah, he was injured for the most part, but he every time Kings of Coma plays, he's a really good, really effective, really useful player. Alvaro Morata isn't good for anything aside from wearing a shirt that says Alvaro Morata on it. Okay? That's the oh only thing this guy God. is good at. Hey, this my man guy, can play a drop pass. You bro, bro. <laughs> you know, you know how strikers are the most selfish guys on the pitch, how they can be considered the most arrogant because you know they have the least involvement. 
and what they do is the most important thing in the game, right? So it's kind of like everything builds up to those guys. They have to have ultimate confidence in themselves. The play, They have to have the shortest memory on the pitch after the goalkeeper and the defenders, right? Alvaro Morata looks like he's scared of the ball every time he's about to receive it. Every time he it's at his feet, he look, he has this look of trauma on his face because whenever the ball's at his feet, yeah, he's a really good link-up guy, but this is Spain. He's basically their only striker. He doesn't have another guy making those runs past him that he can, you know, flick on or get a guy to do a back shoulder run or a back post run. He's the main guy up there, and he's not really getting any help. So when, so when I watch Jordi Alba or whoever the fuck it was clip this beautiful cross over the back line, and then I watch this big-ass, old-ass Swedish defender run up and whiff the clearance, and then when I watch Alvaro Morata turn the corner and run onto the ball with it's just him, the goalkeeper, and a little wraparound to get the ball into the goal. You know, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, 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 he was headed toward the right side of the goal, and then the keeper's coming to close down the angle, but the keeper was too far to close down the angle properly. Open so the hips up. If he, if he wraps his foot all the way around that goal, all around the all the way around the ball, and finishes the way you know a striker should, it goes in the net. What does this guy do? Shank that bitch wide. Shank it completely wide. Dog, when I tell you the entire Spanish bench had their head in their hands, when I tell you the whole stadium started booing, when I tell you everyone, even the commentator, was like, Alvaro Morata! When I, tell I feel you, bad for dude. I dude, I would feel bad for this guy, but this guy has had the same fucking deer in headlights ass look that he's had for the past five, six years now. Whether he was on Real Madrid, Juventus, Atletico Madrid, Chelsea, it doesn't fucking matter. What if this guy becomes the next Alvaro Morata? Bro, you better fucking hope not. <laughs> you better hope not. He's German. He don't. He won't get nearly as many chances as, uh, as Morata had. I don't understand. And you know what really fucking sucks? You know what really fucking sucks? I can't remember Alvaro Morata's playing history like that, right? Like, I don't know what team he went to to go to what team to go to what team. I just remember. Bro, he went to Juve like three different times. Three different fucking times. And guess what? This guy never learned how to have any confidence in himself. He never learned how to just. That's why I feel bad for him. That's why I feel bad. Because it's like you you can't climb out of that when you've just had years and years and years of just being slandered and like rightfully so. But like, how do you, it's tough. Like the mental side of being an athlete. Like people talk about him all the time. The From Paul George, the Paul George effect, you know, like yes. talking of shit to Paul George. Eventually, he's he's pandemic P all the time. Like, he's yeah. shit. <laughs> like <laughs> bro, he's shooting like two for oh, eleven games now. Hey, I mean, he really hey, was wait. never like that, man. Hey, wait till this podcast ready. expands into a basketball podcast. <laughs> this man Nick's about to be hitting everybody with flagrant shots all over. Nick's about oh to be catching strays from across the. First country. of all, it's not Giannis <laughs> Antetokounmpo. It's Fraudis Antetokounmpo. <laughs> okay, I'll stop. <laughs> Yo, we could get into it, bro. I swear to God, I just had like a whole two-hour discussion with my dad last night over Giannis himself. We were, I mean, I mean all I'm saying is don't undercut my guy Kyrie. That's all I got to say. Yo, okay, so, 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 yeah, no, that is some fucking, I hate that undercut shit. But, so, Alvaro Morata, I, I legitimately feel as though 
it's so strange because when you look at him, you look at his positioning, you look at his footwork, you look at his ability to turn on the ball, you look at his ability to get a shot off. He's incredible. When he's feeling himself, he is pretty dang good. The thing is, Alvaro Morata has... I mean, you can see it with the look on his face. He gives off this impression of being a big softy. And what kind of helps with that is the fact that he's always been, like, has this discouraged feeling about himself, no matter what club he's gone to. You've never seen this guy. You, you can look at him and you know this never this guy's never just dropped his nuts on the table. You know what I'm saying? You, you can tell this dude has just never just let his nuts hang and told somebody what the let fuck is about to happen. Hang. You know what I'm saying? Like, I I don't think Alvaro Morata has raised his voice in anger at anyone else aside from himself ever. Bro, he didn't look they, like They got a... Sorry, go ahead. I, I just... No, it's just going to be more of the same shit. He just well, I, I, I was going to say, they got a bench dude. They got a bench dude. Play Ferran Torres as your number nine. If you... Yeah, just bro. Do it. Just do it. I want to see it happen. Spain in general. I need to see it happen. This turned into an Alvaro Morata rant, but Spain in general... They had yeah, bring it back to Spain, and they didn't look dangerous at all. Even even as underwhelming as their roster is right now, as we say their roster is, those are still a bunch of world class players. Like this squad is still head and shoulders above seventy five percent of the rest of the field. When I say <laughs> Sweden looked like they were going to score before Spain, bro, especially after that miss, for some reason, right after that miss. Sweden is in Spain's half for like 10, five minutes straight, which is more time than they even had on the ball the whole game up to that point. And then they just all of a sudden started looking like they were going to score. You were asking me about uh, Alexander Isaac. Alexander Isaac had this beautiful moment in the box where he created a bunch of space for himself. And then the golden child, Marcus Lorente, managed to get a crucial block because um, he, I mean, he beat the goalkeeper. Oh, speaking of the goalkeeper, David De Gea didn't even play. What does that say about the squad, bro? What does that say about this? They're in shambles. And and one okay, one last thing about Alvaro. Oh, Marcus Llorente played right back. Oh shit! I like I like their back line. That's the only good thing I'll say about Spain. I like. Uh, I would have preferred Danny Carvajal and then free up Llorente to play in the middle because I mean, not only is Llorente really really effective in the middle, um, but I also feel as though. Danny Carvajal would have had, would have provided yeah, such a nice element of of pace and tenacity on that right hand side that I think Spain really needed. They just looked Not all bad, out of man. ideas, bro. Bring on my guy Lucas Vasquez. Lucas, they didn't even call him up. They didn't call up Nacho. They didn't call up Sergio Ramos. Bro, I feel really bad for Nacho Fernandez. He's better than any of the center backs that Spain has on there right now. I promise you. Laporte. I mean. Emmerich Laporte, sorry. <laughs> aside from aside from the Frenchman. <laughs> yeah. Pau Torres. I mean, Pau Torres deserves to be there. Pau Torres, um, I'm going to keep an eye on him. I've seen his name all around the place. It looks like even Real Madrid want him too. I'm going to keep an eye on Pau Torres. There's a couple guys on that Spain team that I'm going to keep an eye on. One last thing. I, I can't finish this thing without slandering Alvaro Morata one last time, bro. Oh, my God. Okay. Okay, okay. okay. No, 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 no. It's like it's like this, right? You remember the the ballad of Gonzalo Higuain, where he has always been a very very prolific striker in the club, but then he doesn't have the clutch gene, right? 
He didn't have the clutch team for Juventus, didn't have it for Napoli, definitely doesn't have it for Argentina, right? Or at least as far as we can tell. Alvaro Morata is Gonzalo Higuain without the goal-scoring ability. That whole thing of like lack of clutchness, that's his entire being, bro. No clutch anywhere in his body, dog. Not even... I'm over it. I'm done. I'm done. I'm cutting it off right here. I'm I'm sick of out. I'm I'm done. That Spain team looked really fucking bad. And what's crazy is I was not even gonna be this down on them until I saw them play today. When Damn. you make when you when you dominate Sweden like the possession versus Sweden by about two to two to one, and Sweden still look as dangerous as you do, that's a big fucking problem. Real quick, are Spain making it out of the group? Who's there? Hold on, hold on. Before Slovakia, I answer. Slovakia, Sweden, Poland. Yes. Oh, my God. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> you. All right, real quick again, real quick again. Yeah. Who, in what order, is the group of death finishing? Oh, my God. Wait, wait. So we don't want to talk about Croatia at all? Okay, no, okay. We don't need to talk quick. about no Croatia, man. They're okay, okay, fine, fine. Fucking Asia, man. <laughs> Croatia's old. They're washed up. We're not going to pay it's attention to watch them make the semifinals. Okay, I'll, I'll watch it if I if it's a weekend game. I'm chilling and Modric is. I want to get some Modric highlights and, and that's <laughs> it. Like that's. Hey, hey, Modric did look pretty good against England. I'm not going to lie. Um, but okay, so Group F, the Group of Death. Let's just let's just list these out, right? Right. France, Germany. Hungary, Portugal. So I'm taking There's- Hungary in first. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I, I'll, I'll say much already said mine. So my, I mean, mine was France, Portugal, Germany, Hungary. Hungary. Well, we know Hungary is going to be on the bottom. That's thank God for that, um, dude. I think France come out on top. Yeah, I think it I think they do. They hate the Germans enough to, to have enough um, cohesion, like enough because again, France will be their own biggest downfall. So if they can't get along, then they'll fuck themselves. But I think I think they find enough. I mean, even if they don't have it, right? Because these are all just rumors. Especially everyone's paying attention to France due to what happened to France in twenty ten, right? So they're just all clamoring for another um, meltdown from the whole team. But I say if France finds enough camaraderie. They will. They'll probably beat Germany. Like France versus Germany is another one of those eternal rivalries that'll never calm down, you know. And then France playing Portugal. I think France also beats Portugal due to Euro twenty sixteen. Doesn't matter any redemption that they might have gotten. They haven't gotten any yet. So they're gonna want to fucking crush Portugal. Um, and then Hungary. Who knows, man? The Hungarians, I don't know, man. They just got that kryptonite versus the French, bro. Hopefully the French could pull it out. You know what I'm saying? Hopefully hopefully they can beat the mighty Magyars. Um, I I hate to keep agreeing with you like this, but I do think Portugal beat out Germany. However, I think Portugal is is a different breed. Like, I really think they're in their own tier. I think they're they're in their own tier with France. Really? And then there's a drop off, yeah. Okay, tournament. But see, but see, to me, the closest, the closest teams to those two are Belgium and Germany. To me, and and I'm not gonna lie, man. 
Germany also do well when no one's really expecting them to do anything. And no one's expecting them to do anything. I can see Germany eking out a way, a win against Portugal. I, I can see them either playing mind games or, you know, that, that cool-headedness that the Germans always have, even in the even in the heat of battle, even at the moment of most pressure. The Germans are always calm-headed, cool, calm, collected, doing their thing. Well, well, you're lucky because you're gonna get to see Germany versus France. That's gonna be so fun, man. I need to. I'm gonna. Okay, I'm gonna find that link tonight to send you. Yeah, um, for that please. website because I couldn't allegedly. find it. I couldn't find allegedly, allegedly. allegedly. <laughs> uh, I couldn't find it last night, but I swear to God, I just gotta go on my old laptop and see if I can find it. Um, I need that. That'd be, I, that'd be dope. I'm gonna send it to you because you, you're gonna you're gonna end up. Your boy Nick this. Soul is watching film. My man back in, back in the college team, you dig? And last time I watched Watch reruns was I just watched like invincible Arsenal games, but <laughs> <laughs> I had to see the patch uh, here it is. Hey, so Yeah, man. Alright, guys, and with the group of death predictions out of the way, that rap that is it for our episode. Um, regarding the Euros, Euro 2020. Next episode, um, we're gonna we're gonna stick with the Euros. Um, we're I mean now that we'll finally have seen everyone play, we'll really be getting into our bags, our super nerdy bags, talking shit. You know what I'm saying? Kicking spit, all that shit. Yes, um, sir. We're gonna get into some. Like we're gonna focus on the Euros for a little bit. Um, but throughout the summer, we talked about this from the beginning. We want to get into some obscure just like have an episode dedicated like my dream is to have an episode dedicated on shopping like that's like the one checklist thing for me and i'm sure you have plenty yourself but we, you know wanna, we definitely want to get into some of that stuff uh, yeah and we, and we will um this is going to be a very busy summer a very prosperous summer um we also still got to keep our eye on uh the copa america um right. when mls comes back you know we on that like white on rice um don't give a fuck about the gold cup though. Not really, not really, uh, not really caring about that. But anyways, anyways, um, we're not here to give you guys a schedule. We are here to say thank you for listening to of the Rabona Boys podcast. This has been Ben Scully, aka Dalvin Phillips, and your boy Nick Solo, aka Nick Solo Barella. Nick Solo Barella. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. Hey guys, thanks for rocking with us. We'll see y'all next week. Peace. <laughs>